0: And good morning, this is Alicia Bales, live from the Ukiah Studio, and on the line is our host, Michael Hunter. Good morning, Michael.
1: Good morning, good morning. It's a beautiful day, I'm over here in Mendocino Coast walking around. It's a good day to be daughter. on the
0: coast, hey?
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, this weekend was amazing. It was just, The sun was out, the fog burned off, and I brought my granddaughters over by myself, in my fifth wheel, and I had to do it, it was so hard. I am so out of, I'm not trained anymore at this, but I did it. And, uh, we had a greatest time. Stephanie came over to help me the next day. Oh my gosh. I needed it. But I had, had the opportunity to, um, well, my plan was to take my granddaughters and have them walk in the forest and go out there to the Jackson demonstration state forest, a specific area where, um, they have a Gemini tree, we call it the Gemini tree. It's a huge old redwood that <laughs> that Cal Fire was just gonna take down so they could build another road in there. It's kind of wild, and people are just driving all over this little town here. And uh, unfortunately, they passed out and they didn't make it, but I made it. Yeah, I was like, What? The kids I burned them out on the ocean the day before, so that morning they passed out. But I made it out there and um I just sent the email out to some friends and our local community out here to see who would uh anybody want to go for a walk and just get together again. And there's this group of people that were pretty awesome. And you may be able to help me. <clears throat> it's the Unitarian Universal list.
0: I think you church. got it. Yep.
1: Yes. Got it. And what an interesting group of people. Awesome people. And they there was about twenty of us out there, if not more. And we had the greatest time. We walked down to Gemini, we had some lunch, gave some updates, told some stories. And it was it was so uh it was kinda just get the blood flowing again, you know. So it's fun just to be out there with a bunch of people having a good time and enjoying ourselves. And that's how I went up here in Mendocino. And I was thinking about Mendocino. And maybe we can encourage people to call in, but these are just some fun things I do out here by myself because I'm a loner. And when I came out here during COVID, I was driving around. And it felt so weird to drive in people's backyards. You know, Mendocino here. And when I'm driving, I, it felt weird to me. Like I shouldn't be just driving behind in between all these houses. But it's encouraged. There's a lot of Airbnbs and they really do want you out here. And there's a lot of small businesses and these nooks and crannies over here. A great little um, small businesses. And uh, I was wondering why I felt like that. Like, why do you feel insecure or why do you get this anxiety? as if you're not supposed to be in this area. And before I would get a little irritated, upset, and just think people they didn't want me there. I imagine. I don't know. And I I think maybe it's because I was raised on a reservation, the Coyote Valley Reservation out there in Redwood Valley. And when people drove onto our reservation, to our residential area, it was weird to us. We didn't we, we we were very curious. We wanted to know why. And it's a lot of times probably because you couldn't trust people driving in and out of your reservation from the outside community at the time. They weren't really fans of Natives, you know. <clears throat> so we were always very um, investi- investigative, I guess. So we would check things out all the time. Who's that? Who's this? And I, I think it's a way of protecting our community. So out here I thought people were looking at me because they didn't want a brown – there's not many brown people out here, you know. They didn't want brown people walking in the middle of their streets or driving around. And I was totally way off, way off. I love this little community out here. They're great. We put up booths out here. They help raise some dollars so we could do our rallies, our campaigns, and the things we've been doing. I feel more at home over on this side than I do in Ukiah now. Kind of weird. I don't know. Help me out, Alicia. Well,
0: it's a 101-degree day on in the forecast today, so I, can, I feel you.
2: <laughs> it, it's going <gonna, laughs> you know to be it.
0: really hot here, so it's quite a, a res- relief to be on the coast today, I bet, other than just, you know, the sense of how beautiful it is and how friendly the people are, but interesting. So you've been spending a lot of time over there.
1: Yeah, ever since we started, COVID actually got me out, you know. 'Cause you couldn't really go far, so you really had to explore your own community and really get to know it. But, you didn't uh,
0: spend much time on the coast growing up.
1: You spend much, you spend time on the beach, but you don't really go into the towns. We couldn't afford to be in this town to be honest with you. I imagine. Shoot I could barely afford it now. So I imagine how my mom I doubt she could afford it. You know, they were making like ten bucks an hour. So I imagine we just came over to beaches. I remember my uncle, Ira Campbell Sr. I always say senior because I want people to know it's my great uncles that were my mentors. <clears throat> and Uncle Hiram Campbell Sr., they worked in the local mill, Ironia. Uh, and uh, they would bring our families out. They were the ones that were the working family that helped take care of us. <clears throat> they were the men that paid for the children that weren't theirs like money, like me, to be able to travel and get out and see things. But it was always on the beach or camping. I don't really remember building too much. I don't really remember that very much electricity, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of fun. It helps me become who I am. It's shaping me. Shaping me for sure. The more familiar I get with the area, the more confident I get, the more I want to be out here. And then you say hi and then I'll say hi back. Ah, then you start all over, you know? I don't know. I was saying with uh, my, mu- my mother's Native American and my father's white. And I always say I live in two worlds, if not more, to be honest. I live in two worlds. One, Native American on the reservation. Rich in culture, but very poor in wealth, I imagine. And my father, he was white, and he had a home off the reservation. And when you, when I'd hang out with my father, I'd go play ultimate frisbee in Ukiah. And you're hanging out with judges, attorneys and all these non-brown people, you know and you see how they talk, you hear their stories you see what they're saying, but you also realize you're the only dark person in that crowd so you know you have a different perspective, but you're so young and you're evolving, you really don't know what that perspective is, but you know, you know that you're the only brown dude in the crowd for the most part, might be one other person and when I, I could see how white people would look at other minorities because of their, um, the way we uh, express ourselves is way different, so far different. So I was always curious about etiquette, maybe, maybe insecure about etiquette because I've seen how the non-Indian world would look at Indians. And it really wasn't even like they were looking at them bad. They were just curious and Ah, some of them looked at him bad, to be honest with you, too. But there's a lot of curiosity. But as a young person, you don't know which ones are curious. You don't know which ones are really don't like you. You know, and for the color of your skin, think of that. But you don't know. And it wasn't until I started getting older and older, I started. My cousins would always say this. know, we live feel like we live in two worlds. We we're in high school. In high school, freshman year, we talked like this. know, we live in two worlds. It's really wild. And Because we leave the reservation and then just go straight to a community school. It was just two different, I, I don't even know how to explain it yet, but that's, that's the fun for me when I walk around out here and try to get perspective, gain perspective and learn and evolve as a person. And it's just this funny world that I grew up in and had the opportunity to be able to view both sides, like literally both sides, you know, like I go home and you're Native American and you look, everybody looks like you on the res for the most part. And you see how the Native Americans viewed viewed non-Indians, to be honest, you know, it went both ways. And a lot of times Native Americans viewed um, white people for the most part, uh, not in a good way. So I grew up. Not trusting white people and being very nervous and remembering what they did to the Coyote Valley here at Mendocino County. You know, let's just take it back. Mendocino County and Sonoma County Board of Supervisors got together in the 50s because they wanted to build Lake Mendocino Dam. So they petitioned the Corps of Engineers to do the dirty work for them. And in 1957, they terminated the Coyote Valley Band of Pomo Indians which they lived at Lake Mendocino. They condemned it and said it wasn't livable. If you go out there now, you see all the nice houses. They're just million-dollar houses now. Now it's livable. So my whole life on the tribal side, I grew up not trusting. I've seen what they did to my people. I've seen how they look at us. And I've also been hanging out with my father and seen how they're viewed from their lens. But it kind of gave me some balance because I was able to say, you know what? cousins, you know, family. Uh, it's why people aren't as bad as you think. They're not looking at you the way you think they're looking at you. Some are, you know, so I understand why we feel the way we do. But not all, for the most part. Having you live in Utah, it's a lot more than over here on the coast, or more liberal over the coast. It's way nicer over here, it seems like. And uh, I, would, we would, I would try to explain that, and then I'd go back to my father's side, and I'm explaining, nah, the way they look at you with those stone faces and stern isn't because they're mad at you, it's because they're trying to figure the conversation out. They're trying to figure you out. You have to remember that white people were a threat to us. Like literally it kicked us off, you know, our great-grandma, I lived with my great-grandma So I was 18, she lived on our reservation, uh, Coyote Valley, which is Lake Mendocino now. And so we were taught these things, not because of uh, people teaching, but because of the actions this county has taken to, to my people. And it wasn't until this last year where I started to really elaborate on my new perspective, this new perspective I'm finding. And I feel like I discovered people. <laughs> you know, when I got out here and started hanging out with such a good community out here, just loving people, They're, you know, we hang out, everybody brings food, pitches in, we enjoy each other. They're interested in, in my culture. You know, I grew up my whole life having to be interested in white culture because every book, every teacher, everything you could think of in Ukiah High does not teach about Native Americans, you know. And they're not interested to teach about us because they're more interested about teaching their own cultures, which is, you know, understandable too. I imagine if I was a teacher, I'd be teaching about Native Americans, you know, that's my vibe. But not having many teachers in the school system kind of makes it hard. But more importantly, when you don't have any people creating curriculum, That are Native Americans is what's really hard because you don't have Native American books or videos to watch, things like that. So it was kind of a new world for me. Just this last year, I feel like I discovered new people. And as the environmental people, love these guys out here. Great community. I'm going to move out here, I think, Alicia. We better just, we better go in halves out here. It might take four or five (laughs) of us to live over here, though. <laughs> really, I know it's
0: expensive. It's 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 the dream, isn't it? Is every time you go out there it's like oh it would be so nice to live here.
1: Right. I gotta go home. It's hundred and one you said today. Yeah. Oh no, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ukiah has expensive. I have a, yeah, it. Yeah, it does. It does. It's not it's um it's better I always say it's better than Santa Rosa. Better than Windsor for me. It's better than Cloverdale. Might be actually okay. I've been looking at that. It's about ten degrees. If you're north, if you're south of Cloverdale, ten degrees cooler. But
0: right, this is yeah. the month when you start to think about where to live based on the heat, <laughs> the, the number of <laughs> degrees. It's like this. The rest of the time, August is pretty bad, but the rest of the time, I find Ukiah is beautiful. But in the middle of July, it's like, oh my god.
1: Yeah. It's like and a I'm lot a of
0: strategizing about how to cool the house down.
1: Yeah, you're you're up earlier than you normally would be, so you just close, open up all the windows. Exactly. Get situated. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> we're very fortunate to live where we live. Maybe I'm getting spoiled, and I just came over here, and I'm like, no, but I want to live here forever. Every day, maybe we get spoiled.
0: Well, Michael, well, I'll
1: say this too. Yeah. Oh, go ahead.
0: I just wondered if you wanted to open the phone lines, but go ahead and finish your thought and yeah, then we can do that.
1: No, anytime. I'm curious what people think. You know, I posted this, uh, this, um, comment on Facebook and I have some really good friends that I value and there uh, some white friends that I value <clears throat> and their comments on Facebook were very ignorant and that's okay. It's important, but it was like I had the patience and, I more I've evolved enough to be able to understand why people ask these questions. So it wasn't offensive and it wasn't just till so recently where I started to really respond and how to write back and tell people where I come from. And when I say I look through a different lens, some people think that as if I'm challenging their selves, challenging them on a personal level, it's really not. It's just native Americans are less than 3% of the conversation know three percent of the population and and only Native Americans can have the lens they look through because they're only three percent of the population. We're dual citizens. We're the only dual citizens in the United States. You know there's United States and tribes. There's United States and Canada but there's not United States and tribes. There's United States and tribes here in the United States. So I have to figure out how to express myself Because the larger audience is who we need to help protect our environment. I have to learn how to express myself so the people that are interested understand and I don't chase them away or anything like that. So I'm constantly trying to make sure that I speak appropriately, thoughtfully, and without firing myself up. But I'm curious on what people think. I always wanted to know what... It's like, ask me real good questions about what Native Americans, you know, why why do they think this way or anything like that. That's what I'm curious about today
0: all right well let's open up the phone line 707-895-2448 this is pomo perspective with your host michael hunter the tribal chairman of the coyote valley band of pomo indians here in sweltering inland mendocino but you're calling in (laughs) from the coast like a smart person (laughs)
1: yeah Um, fortunate
0: yes fortunate and um, a great way to to beat the worst of the summer heat here today on on monday Um, I also wonder, you said there was a comment on Facebook. I wonder if you could share the comment and get the conversation going. Um, I, I I often think, you know, people may have questions, but may be embarrassed to ask them because they feel like they um, are stupid or possibly even racist, and they d- just don't want to be insulting. And But maybe they harbor these questions that they need to ask in order to, you know, get Clear on what reality is, rather than just kind of keeping these misconceptions inside that perpetuate misunderstandings. So maybe you could tell us the the comment that that you were talking about.
1: Yeah, sports betting. <clears throat> there's two ah. initiatives this year, right? A 2022 initiative on the ballot, and there's a a a group of large gaming tribes that are supporting an initiative, and that specific initiative allows. Um, dice games like craps it allows allows roulette and for those reasons and it also allows horse tracks which I don't know how horse tracks got into this game when if you remember uh, people listening in 2000 we voted on Prop 1A Prop 1A, Prop 5 that helps legalize and give the exclusivity for gaming, Indian casinos on Indian lands well this takes it off Indian lands now And for people like Coyote Valley, it's a threat because we look at it and go, wait a minute. If you're going to give our exclusivity up and tribes are way out in rural areas, that means they're going to start opening up in urban areas. And why would you travel to ours if it's right in your backyard? Those kind of things. So we really had to start focusing on that. And another initiative is from the corporations like FanDuel. You see them on TV a lot. And they're... And they're pushing, and they're claiming to give 10% to the non-gaming tribes. But, by, but the way they calculated their 10% is after all of their expenses, all of their expenses. So you're really down to 2 to 3%, and it's just, there's just nothing there. But, you know, it's it is, they're, they're using it as propaganda, and they got a few tribes to join, too. Maybe they believe in it. I don't know. But that was the one I posted on Facebook. And my friends responded back more on a business level, like maybe – the community just saying no more, or maybe it's, uh, maybe that's just how business goes. It grows and it does this. And I was just like, in my first mind, it's like, no, that's how corporations do. That's how you guys do. That's first right out of the gate. And I was like, no, man, this is my buddies. These guys are pretty liberal. They're not thinking like that. And so I just kind of bit my tongue, thought about it. I didn't give a great response, but I would give a better one now. And the reason is, if you allow Grayton Casino down in Roner Park to offer games that we can't offer because we can't afford the manpower to be able to fill these positions, and it's just not as profitable to us. So it'll be more like Las Vegas style, and now it's even harder for us to compete. So what happens is the larger gaming tribes they they start to offer more and more and more and more machines and more and more of this, and it doesn't allow the the competition to grow out to the smaller gaming tribes where where reservations are. An example, reservations most likely are rural areas. Well, Grayton, it's in a rural Park, but it was just there for a casino. They don't have housing. You know, they don't deal with the issues that we deal with when you have a housing, a community, water, electricity, you know, all these kind of things. So the reservations where natives live in their houses and stuff, they suffer. They suffer because they're usually small gaming tribes. So it was that issue is what I was posting on there. And it really helped me expand my mind on how I need to approach this issue because in the next month or two, I'll be stepping up more and organizing to get more and more tribes to oppose these initiatives. So vote no on Prop 26 <laughs> and Prop 27. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, now we'll have to have some vote yes people on to talk about it, too, because we have to provide a forum for most all sides. But anyway, we will. There's an election coming up, so we'll have a lot of information for people about it. We do have a phone call. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Uh, Go ahead and turn your radio off, caller. Yes. Hi.
3: Hi. You're live um, on the air. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, what I'd like to do is say, I have a friend who uh, was Cesar Chavez's bodyguard. He was Mexican. Uh, he oh, never became an American, but he lived here off and on for 33 years. And he used to use the term mixten, M-I-X-T-E-N, for mixed people. And I like that term because I think even as white people, we're not really white. We're mixed. We're, we're, I'm Swedish and Belgian and Irish and Indian, Chippewa. And i lived in the in the Laytonville area for 45 years, so I feel Pomo, too. You know, I feel close to the land. And I use the distinction, I feel different because I'm rural. There's an urban-rural interface, you know, where if you've lived close to the land, to the animals, to the deer and the bear and the turkeys and the skunk and the possum and the raccoonies and the fish and the abalone, I feel kind of Mother, mother Earth. And that's no matter where I go, I feel I can get underneath an old tree and I feel that tree is held, you know, the heaven brought heaven to earth and hold to the rain and the wind and the birds. And, and it's, uh, that's my division, you know, cause I feel out of place when I go to the city and that's it's an urban rural interface. I've on a wood stove for 45 years and, and I feel kin to of the Chinese and, you know, the poor people all over the world, in Africa and in Mexico, you know, people that have lived where you have to go out and gather kindling, you know, kind kinfolk that are kindling. And so that's part of the distinction that I see in my heart. So I feel you, Michael, I feel you, what you're saying, you know, about feeling kind of out of place. And I know the history of this region also. And I've been close to the Cotto people for a long time, and they told me stories about the years ago when i first moved up here in 1968 about how they were discriminated against they could sit at a table and not be served for half an hour you know and and when i came you know i've been a, I, I feel like i'm a guardian there will be, be no harm no harm will come if there are witnesses to like intercept and say hey you know how about being fair and so as we come into As I'm going into old age, I spent this weekend with my kids at Casper Beach. Oh, my God. My grandkids are coming up visiting from L.A., and that's scary to me. L.A. is like another world compared to Mendocino and Casper and Lakeville and Willits and, you know, our our little region here, and we are different. I feel like we're another country in Mendocino, 89,000 people, you know, with this great, big, beautiful town. I'd like to see, I, I, I get some reflection from you, sir. If you would please, when I go to Ukiah and when I went out to the Casper, um, the Gemini tree, I cry because I remember when these were old trees, Gemini was just one of, you know, many. And when I go to the Ukiah, what's it called now? The Redwood company, it used to be GP, the log decks and they, they don't, they're not getting any smaller. I mean, there were 13 rows probably ten thousand trees maybe even more than that and the little ones little itty bitty one tree used to be able to fill up you know a truck or two trees and now they're like a hundred and i'm concerned all about right. the salmon i'm salmon woman i call myself salmon woman all right would you like tri- michael tri- to trib- reply i'd like to hear him reflect on i'd like to hear what you think about the i want a moratorium on logging no
1: okay. more logging at all Let it fill a up lot, land all right michael yeah we have that's interesting yeah, I mean, I feel different when I go to cities, too. It might be that same feeling, the same vibe if you're not from a reservation and you want to find some similarities on the vibe. It could be that. You know, you're used to a small town, small area. Everybody knows each other. You could go next door and get some milk, you know. It's, 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 um, it's comforting. And uh, when you leave where you're, you're familiar with, it becomes uncomfortable and more populated, it becomes even worse, right? And you think people are looking at you. Well, let me take that a little bit further on that one. So, imagine not being able to forget about the history and just say, you know what? We got to start over. We got to just, you know, start over and just, it's a new day. Right. Well, I go to Lake Mendocino and I go, that was my land. My great grandmother was moved from there. It's hard to enjoy it like a regular boater. Just different. Now, think it wasn't until 1976, two years after I was born, Coyote Valley got reinstated. There's a lot of people alive right now that had their parents and their grandparents do this to mine, but I have to figure out a way to communicate because they can never understand the lens or perspective I have, because I am the one looking out, but let's just take that even further. We tried to buy five acres that nobody wanted, but we did buy it. Five acres around our reservation. Our little reservation out there in Red Valley, about 70 acres. And the county opposed it to going into trust with us the first round, the board of supervisors. I have to go to the county board of supervisors and ask them. Remember, nobody was using this dirt lot. And they gave it to us. But they wanted me to know, you must come ask us first. I don't care who you are, Mr. Hunter. You have to come ask us before you can buy that dirt lot, just so you know. And I had to go in front of them. And I act humble. And I act like I'm just asking them. Because I know what I have to do to maneuver in this town. Because I live with my father. I've seen the attorneys. I've seen the judges. I know how they talk. Good people, very ignorant, and this county is always against us. So not only in theory and thought and, and just like, I know things were done bad to Indians. I'm talking right now. We had a moratorium. Check this out. We're only 3% of the population. Coyote Valley had a moratorium on water, so we couldn't even expand more homes. That's telling you, don't even expand your people. Don't grow your people. Let them die off. There's less of them. The less Indians you have, the better off we are. That's what they're telling you when they don't want you to have more land and more water. It's kind of hard because I still live it today, but I have to find out ways to say what I need to say, play their game. But the good thing is um, I'm pretty good at it and they don't really pay much attention. They just want me to come and bow down. I can do that all day as long as it's the benefit of my people. So, yeah, I have that. I look through that. I you know, have those vibes that you're talking about. And I think the biggest thing for me is knowing that if I read more, I work harder, I concentrate more, that I can beat them all. And as long as I'm doing what's right and being doing whatever I do for my tribe, I know for a fact it's righteous. But let's take that a step further. Out here in the forest, there's people that don't want to hear what that lady said about the trees being cut the birds. To them, that's fairy tale, but that's not reality. Reality is this is heaven. Earth is your creator. That's why Native Americans say creator. When we pray, we're not praying to something we cannot see. It's not invisible to us as if it's the spirit that nobody can see and we're all looking for it. No, the spirit and your God, your creator, is the redwood tree is every single tree it's called science it's called earth you know and once we start engaging and getting out here and raising our children to understand that this isn't mythical this is this is real we're killing ourselves there's a reason our county's on fire and it's not just because of global warming. It's because you're cutting down the biggest redwood trees that created large Large canopies that made it moist under them. And when you take it out, it's going to be kindling. And that's what CAL FIRE is doing. And so we have to wake up. I'm sorry if to get a little passionate on this one, though. But thank you, caller. That helped me. I was Maybe I was in the zone.
0: All right. Help me out, Alicia. Yeah. I'll start going. <laughs> we got I'm a... so
1: frustrated sometimes. I apologize. Let's open it up to another caller. All
0: right. We got another caller. Hold on just a sec. Good morning, caller. You are live on Pomo Perspective.
4: Great. All right. Yeah, you, turn radio. Radio yeah, you
1: like gotta turn your radio off. i <laughs> turned it off. Okay, good. I'm good. It's kind of funny to hear us though.
5: Oh, oh, I'm live. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I always get confused when I call. Anyway, um, I, I wanted to go back a minute to the um, to the propositions. And my before the the guest even before he answered the question, um, you know about about like gambling and stuff like that. To me. I mean, it might be kind of silly, but my first reaction when that came up was like, I don't think that anybody should take away the opportunity for uh, the reservation or anybody, Native people to have uh, gambling. That's like, it's like, uh, what do you call that when you, restitution? It's like, like so many things have been taken away from Native Americans. That this is this is kind of like, give it back, you know? And so I don't know about the propositions exactly. He said no on both of them, so okay, that's fine. Uh, but any any opportunity for people to turn California into, into Nevada, where everybody and anybody can can just have a casino, is wrong, because it's like stealing again. So I, I just feel like we uh, will just leave the gambling and casinos to the reservations and let everybody, to not just reservation, but to Native people and let them work out how to make it equitable between, like you were saying, the rural um, gambling and, the, like, down in Grayton, which, how is that? I don't really understand how that even got built, but that's a whole other topic. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's my two cents worth. I just I feel like it's um, like a way for this country to give back, or this state, anyway, to give back some of what was stolen
1: yeah, it's opportunity, right? That's what right. It's about.
5: Yeah, and and so to say some corporation or even big gaming, you know, even Indian big, big gaming I think is like just I mean I well, think it should be more yeah, like let's, wait, look let's look at it. how to how to how hey, to balance it. That.
1: I'm sorry, let's, say let's, it again. Let's think about that. Let's 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 um, unpack that. So there's a lot of large gaming tribes that help the tribes they really do. So I don't want to give that perception that um, large gaming is bad. But what we <laughs> never did, and this is what we never did, was stop supporting each other. And I have this—we this talk about this lens that I looked at is different. When I first started getting out in, in a cool community, I would say, "That's you guys. You guys did that." And I talk like <laughs> that normally. And my yeah. friend goes, as he became my friend, and I started to really respect him. He goes, "He goes, you guys. I'm not them." And it really hit me, and it really, really hit me, and I thought about it, and I thought about it until we're talking on the radio. I'm thinking about it even now. And I was like, wow, when Native Americans, when we do, with the Native American suffering, I look at them as me, as us. So it's just yeah. a different lens. But I understand why my buddy did it, because they, who I was talking about, were the ones that were clear-cutting. So he didn't want to be affiliated. So I understood that, and I was like, wow, is my first time really dividing it. And I said, to myself I have to become if I want to make better friends and be interested in them, I have to become I have to become more thoughtful on how I separate white people, how I talk. So I had to figure that out and I'm still that's that's my dilemma to this day on the phone call right now and that's why I opened it up I thought would be fun but we have but for Native Americans, right when I say we I'm talking about Native Americans, and because I look at it and I say, I have people in front of me, people side of me, and I have people behind me. And until all my people succeed, I'm not done. That's my work. But I didn't realize that that really might be only the Native American community. Like, only the Native American community. I don't see other, other ethnicities think like that. But I could well, so I the, the one
5: thing about that for me, like, um, I'm African American. So, uh, as a black person? Yeah, I, me. I mean, yeah. I, I like, I feel you. But I also, I, you know, the US STEM thing is hard, but it's also like, you know, when somebody says, we are like that, white people, when they want to not see color, which is to me what, what white people are saying to you when they say, I'm not them, you know, when they say they're not the person cutting down the tree, that's that's what it sounds like to me, I'm not them they're saying uh, I don't see color that way. I just see people doing things. And when when but when it gets down to it, by not seeing color, what they see is self. So uh. you're not brown and I'm not black and, you know, so Everybody's cool. But what what is their reality is who they are. And like what you're saying right now is that you want to come to them. You want to come to how they understand. They're not they're not understanding you. You have to make as we all do, people of color, women, we're, we're the ones who have to step, go, oh, okay, it's, it's my job to be more white, to be more understanding, so they can then maybe, so that they, so I can talk in a way that they can understand. And we're on the radio, so I'm not going to say what I think about that, but <laughs> I, I struggle with that. It's like, I, you know what? I'm not white. I'm not you, and I don't have to be you in order for you to understand me. Why don't you come and understand me?
1: You so, know what? so
5: Sorry, I'm, so I'm, i, I fuss, I'm fussing with you a little bit about your, your no, saying you have not. to change how you talk and
1: stuff. <laughs> You're good. I, I I dig this conversation. You know, I felt exactly that way until I started going to the uh, protective environment out here. And I was at Gemini Tree, and we're going to yeah. the waterfall, and you really have really good conversations. And the ones right. that stay and talk to you, and they're mm-hmm. there every time you need to show up, and they're yeah. so interested in you. You know, yeah. it's um, it changed my it changed the way I think, and this is just June of last year. So here you now, June of mm-hmm. last year is when my I just evolved. I don't want to say evolved. I know it makes me sound like I was weak. I know. Well, I feel uh-huh. like I became. That's more what I want
5: you to not do. I don't want you to say okay. that.
1: <laughs> more understanding. More understanding. Okay. You're right because I do feel more evolved than most. Yeah. Okay. So more understanding. And it's because they were interested in me, I was willing to be interested in them, too. And that was the bridge. We were both interested in each other. And it was the one thing that should be bringing everybody together, and that's the environment. You know, so it was the one most righteous thing because we had so much tolerance for each other. I could say my ignorant things that came across in a bad way, you know, and they took it. It took it because I had a lot of pain to release, you know. You don't just get to get my true words without me sharing the way I feel first, you know, yeah. just balance, you know. And so I do that, and they stayed there. And I said, okay. They stayed. Well, oh, that's there's mom, good. Yeah. Okay. my mom. This is Keith. She's an elder. And she was sitting in this, uh, there was a fundraiser over here last year in, I think, July and or something. And uh, my mom was sitting there in the corner. She just got them speaking, or she was going to speak. So I went and I was sitting here with that Casper and I was watching her. I watch her a lot. I like to see her story, you know, I'm so intrigued by my mom. She's so fascinating to me. And mm-hmm. so I stay behind her cause I want to see her angle <laughs> and i like to <laughs> stay on the side of her. I can see her face and how she's doing. Right. And I see her taking it all in. And I said, Hey mom, what do you think about these people? And she said, cause I could tell she's thinking about it. And she, she says, They're genuine. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean they're right. (laughs) No, no, there's a difference for sure. Well, no, Mm -hmm. this is her story. She said that doesn't mean they're right, but they're genuine. And I thought that was so much wisdom.
3: You know, and it's true. (laughs) Yeah,
1: deep, deep. And and you, when you get out there in the forest and you're walking, and the solitude, and people are just talking to each other, you realize. Mm -hmm. A lot of us have a lot of things in common. We, sure. just, we just haven't found our way yet. And the way really isn't how we define ourselves. It's how we connect with the earth. It really is. And I'm still learning so much. And that's why I'm able to say it the way I say it, because I understand it could come across embarrassing if you say it to the wrong crowd. But in reality is, you know, like you have to connect with the earth. And if you could get out in this forest for six, seven hours by yourself, Listen to nothing else but the birds, you know. And if you can find a good friend to walk with, you'll get to know that person so well in those six hours because there's nothing else going on but your connection. And those energies, the bridging, it really, really is the answer. I think about people that are hurting or sad or uh, sick. Just come out, get out there, and I promise you that the energy, and it's science, it's not something I'm making up, and you know. It's just real. This is the energy, and if you could find it, connect, it could heal a lot of your body. It's done a lot for me. and my mind, it's healed a lot of my wounds. I've I've been able to look back and untie knots. You know, some big, deep ones I didn't know existed. You know, but I, now I can't wait to connect more so I could untie more of those knots. It's kind of where I'm at in my life. Thank you for sharing that. That was great because sometimes I don't know where I'm at. I don't even know who's listening. You know. <laughs>
5: Uh, oh, That's very great. good.
0: Okay, you. thank you. All right, yeah, thanks that for that fine. call, caller. The number that here was, is 707. Yeah, that was, I'm, 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 thank you, caller, for calling in. I really appreciate that. 707 895 2448 is the number. This is Pomo Perspective. I'm Alicia Bales at the controls with Michael Hunter on the line, the host of Pomo Perspective, and uh, the phone lines are open. Uh, it's an interesting. Uh, It's an interesting question the caller raises about whose responsibility is it to understand, uh, especially in a culture that is white supremacist and that glorifies and raises up white people and uh, does the opposite to people of color. Uh, And so whose job is it to understand and what does it even mean to understand and for white people especially not centering ourselves in the conversation?
1: Yeah, everybody's still missing out. You know, I'm just like, maybe it's me, and maybe I know I'm biased on this, but Indian people are so interesting. Native Americans are so interesting. Their so, their story is the hardest story, because we all recognize that growing up, you know, the, everybody's great, great grandparents. It's just my great, though, so I don't want to go after you. Everybody's great grandparents worked harder than anybody else's, man. They worked hard in those days, so when people feel like something's, You're like, you're down to my people versus your people. No, it's not that. It's not that. I'm just saying that their hardships were even worse and they're fighting through it. Those are the people. You know, you got to help champion them because those are like, they're resilient. They're still here on this earth. Like, just like they took out all the old growth redwoods, they took it. There's only 3% of us left. They took out 97% of our people, took them out literally since. 1850, not, not that long ago. You know what I mean? That's my great grandparents who I lived up until I was 18. That their parents were the children of the era that got ran out. You know, like literally with saws and axes and, you know, you read the stories. you know, they're just, it's just, I don't know. I just find them so, uh, I never wanted to fight any harder for any more people in my life but the natives.
0: All right. We got Love another call. You want to you wanna take another call?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll keep it rolling.
0: Good morning, caller. You're live on Pomo Perspective. Hello? Hey. You're live. You want to go ahead and turn your radio off? Hello, hello. Hello. You're live on the air.
2: Can you hear oh, me? Oh, Michael, um, I just wanted to tell you that I have been one of those forest defenders and I've met you and one of the biggest moments of my life well especially this year was watching you down in the forest doing your dancing with your people and with the children with the boys that you are mentoring that meant mm-hmm. so much to me and I was so thrilled to be among the couple of hundred people down in the forest here at the end of 409. And how wonderful that was to have the presence of the Native American back on this land claiming it again. you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm also, powerful. Sandra, that Warrior fan that told you I was going to be there yesterday, and I missed it. And how did yeah. it go yesterday?
1: We had a very good walk. Oh I'm it so very glad enjoyable. It. Yeah. We were just you know, it's no longer protesting, it's just about connecting and getting us back out there. It's we, been we, wonderful. We're, we're winning. Yeah. Yeah. The more people you get out there walking that forest, the more people understand what's happening. And then at that point it's the right people understanding that make those policies that have to change it. So we're just out there, having a good time. So enjoy your participation you know that Very meaningful to us all, okay? Your participation has
2: meant a lot. And so thank thank you. you very much for what you're doing. And Alicia, thank you too. I know you've been in it for a long time and I admire you too. So thank you very much to both of you for putting on this program. Thank you. Bye bye.
1: Thanks for saying that. Oh, thank you. That's the Sunday was we had like you have organizers and a lot of times. Your singers, our, our singers, are our organizers, and that's why you see people show up to dance for them, you know, because they respect them as organizers too. And I'm lucky to have got to know those organizers, Budcat, my my buddies from Round Valley for a long time. We kind of grew up together, starting uh, starting to dance to each, with each other about 20 years ago, and we both got together and we do this Alders Christmas party, about 500 outers native american outers it's beautiful and they dance for them they came out they bought a lot of their dancers we had Edwina doing league and her family from round valley she bought family we had oh it's just so beautiful we had so many different dancers and dance groups and they joined together and it's one thing when you're dancing in your feathers not many people get to dance in feathers though it's another lens i looked through and when you have we call it a yellow hammer, a flicker, and it's a, we wear it over our eyes, and you could really see through that kind halfway, and you could tell who's interested in you and who's paying attention, and that helps me a lot in who I wanted to talk to, because the ones that are just laughing and talking on the side don't know I'm watching, and I, I logged that, and I go, yeah, you do get any in my time, you know, but that Sunday, it was so healing. I've... It took me a while to shed enough to connect to where I cried in the forest. Cause I was always going so fast, I always wanted to play it and run. But these women came down and sang a Gemini. Not, I think Gemini over 200. We're still all debating this. They came and sang a Gemini and they all broke down crying. And they were, they were already connected closer, way closer than I could get so far. And it was sober. It was just empowering to me because I knew I had a lot more to grow and a lot more connection that's going to come my way because I've seen them connect. And those songs, can you imagine they're singing the same songs that were sung there two, three thousands of years ago? I love it. Oh, it doesn't it. get any it. better.
2: I love
0: it. Yeah, those same trees have been hearing those same songs. Well, if oh the tree's only God. 200 then then maybe it hasn't gotten to hear those songs but it's well, the root system right here's the thing the so forest the community.
1: roots right Well the redwoods roots so we're in this clear-cut area and you see the redwoods trying to grow back up from uh, like even further away but it's the root system they send a root all the way out there 100 feet you know so then they pop up another tree. So we are we'll find out they are really come, a lot of them, I think a lot in a certain area, I don't know how far, but come from the same root system. So right, I have hope.
0: Right, I've heard that hope. too, that the ancient trees, when they re-sprout in those fairy rings, that, that that's the same genetic age as the tree that was cut down. So it's that same tree. So,
1: yeah, that's a beautiful yeah, thought. Yeah, exactly. Michael. No, it's not a thought. It's scientific. It's true. I was listening to this scientist named Sillet he came out and did a walk and he was on telling it and there was this clear cut and he said you see that one that's still from that tree over there and I thought like, what and then when you see it with your own eyes and you hear that scientist telling you that you're like I made me feel great like okay well when we all die off this is gonna be a beautiful earth again
0: huh. <laughs> all right well the phone lines are, are ringing off the hook do you want to take one more call yeah okay Fun. good morning caller you are live on the air
4: good morning I am so happy that you are doing this show this morning. Um, I wanted to make comment. I'm just, I'm so almost beside myself with words, so I'm going to take, I took a few notes. Um, One of the things that was said is that we should forget our history and move on and get things going. And I would say I disagree I think that we should know our history and it would help us understand how we've come to the place we've come to today. If, if, and I'm going to use the words white and black and all these things because it gives us language and that we need to see color because it gives us language for talking about the systems and the structures that are in place. And it helps us understand what we need to do to change how we are today. And I think that's completely congruent with what um, is being said here. But racist is this social construct, um, and and we understand that. And it comes um, way way back, 1600s, when we first come here. Western Europeans first arrive on these shores. And start applying to all many things. If we know our history, we'll understand how we got here. Um, and the other yeah, uh, let, the me, let me let
1: me let me try to. Uh, that's a good one. I like that one. Can I can I unpack that with oh, you a little bit? Please. Unpack it for me. Yeah, these are please. great. Um, I try to think of this last year when I self reflect on a lot of things, and I'm talking about those knots, those. You know, when you had hard times in your life and, you know, the trauma, right? And you don't know that this trauma is making you feel the way you feel today, even though it was 30, 40, 50 years ago. And bad things may have happened to people, you know? And when you untie that knot, it's just self-reflecting. You can look so far back, 30 years, and you untie that knot and things flow better and you feel so much better. Well, that, that's the same thing as self-reflecting in history. Like our leaders need to self-reflect in history because you've got to untie those knots. And those knots are real legislation. So you call that critical race theory. But this is real legislation that affects tribes right now today. So it's not just yes. emotional, but it's, it's yes. legislation too. And if we don't learn our history, if we don't demand that our legislators learn their history so they could go back and untie those knots, those hurdles, those legislative hurdles. Then they're asking us to do the work for them when it was their laws they wrote, and now they call those amendments. So I have to propose amendments when the reality is our legislators. When they say, "What can we do for you, Native Americans? Fix your laws, fix your ordinances, fix your yeah, policies that look stop growth." At
4: what Look at what those laws are based on and who's written the laws and who's protected by those laws and start to understand that history. And I would put that 30 years ago trauma is not going back far enough. If you go keep going back, go back to the 1800s, go back to the 1700s, these traumas are generational. They become part of our DNA, and there is the science in that also. Um, and that healing has to take place. And it was just so sweet when you were talking about ancient redwood growth and these other trees coming up. The, the legislation and our systems today, our educational systems, our health care systems, our governmentals, all of them, these are all based um, on this uh, – on this protecting and, museum. and re-traumatizing ourselves well, museum.
1: place. Museum.
4: And museum. until we get Road. to the place
1: where we understand left, so we our profound minutes.
4: I'll go very fast until we understand okay. our profound oneness as human beings and with the earth and with spirit our profound in deep oneness we don't really we're going to have trouble getting over it, and I'm going to challenge my white brothers and sisters to start doing your work, just yours, of understanding how you fit into all of these systems and what you can do to start interrupting them. All That's right. really what Thank I Thank you, say. caller. Thank you so Museums. much for this fabulous program. Bye. Yeah.
1: Okay. Museums. Roads. I mean, if you drive around, you look around, do you see Native Americans anywhere? Rarely. If you want to show true respect to the Pomo people, you should name all these places, roads, every single road, every single thing, and name it after the acorn trees, name it after the ocean, whatever you want. Name it after the tribes if you want. Work with the tribes to rename everything. So what's happening today, see? But when I walk around, I don't see any names with my people on it. Imagine that. And I'm not only that, is I'm willing to come over here and fight for a force that my people never get to live in. And then the people that live here, understandably, they really, really like my support. They really want it because, let's be real, Coyote Valley had a, and a, you know, some really good work legislatively And also the movement we put together stopped those loggers. They're not we're at we're the the moratorium earlier, the moratorium we're having right now is because we're holding off until we can figure out a way a better pathway forward. But let's be real. I didn't have to come visit here. So how righteous are we all really being?
0: We got a lot Uh, of work to
1: do. Well, Just in our own little community and even our own circle, right, we have a lot of work to do. We have to make sure that when we say Pomo Land Back, it's because you really want some Pomo people here, and it's not using it as a slogan to stop logging. It's real. It's more in-depth than that. So when people ask me what Pomo Land Back is. It's about connecting with this earth and bringing my people out here because I'm not interested in the politics. I'm interested in saving the forest and getting my people out here walking around, and that's why I come out here. That's why I bring my grandbabies out here because I know this is the answer. So I appreciate you guys. And some, Man, that was some great conversations, some of the best I've ever had. We're going to try to do this more often, I think, Alicia. This was pretty fun. That would
0: make me really happy, Michael. I really appreciate everything you've said today and all the callers. Thank you so much for calling in. Um, that's going to do it, I guess, for for this month's Pomo Perspective. You'll be back the third Monday of August. Yeah. Nine o'clock.
1: Pomolandback.com. Awesome.
0: All right. Thanks, Michael. Really appreciate it and have a wonderful day on the coast today.
1: You'll, I will. You enjoy your kaya.